you know, we're all told, maximize your impact. And he's thinking, I wish I could have more impact, but I'm just here raising these kids. When we would say the discipleship of your little Aussies in the world, the discipleship of these kids, if that's not in place, you shouldn't be influencing anybody because you don't know what you're doing. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's Wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Okay, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to this day. I always think of it as morning. But I don't know when you're listening to this, so maybe it's not morning, but I think of it I think of it morning. I think of I always think of our listeners going on a run, like our friend John Seeds, getting up, putting in the pops in the ears. Maybe if it's you, you're going out for power lifting, you hear the angry rock music in the background, but in your ears are the dulcet tones of Abraham's wallet talking you through your day. When do you listen to podcasts, Michael? Um, well, my powerlifting sessions are not as long as Mark's, uh, but I actually did listen to a podcast uh, today as I was lifting some weights. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, whenever you might be listening, um, we've received... Um, it's funny because this is a subject that we've wanted to talk about because we know that it's present. I've actually dealt with guys as they've gone through this stage of their lives. But we've also had people who write in with questions going like, would you guys address what it's like to have little kids or a young family? And, you know, you guys talk about these wonderful things you can do with your family. And you talk about um, doing Sukkot with your family. Or Mark talks about for Purim reading the entire book of Esther um, while, while everyone's sitting around and... Come on, guys, but get real. I mean, what what can you really do when you have little kids? So I thought, I'll bring someone on who will shut everybody up. <laughs> I don't think so, man. So, so, so I'm bringing on my, my old good friend, Michael Beausejour, who lives in town here in Cincinnati with me. And Michael, tell us, tell us about your life. What, what's your life look like right now? Well, I, uh, I I work from home. I, I did work from home before. I work for a CPG company in sales. What's CPG mean? A consumer packaged goods. Mm. So I sell I sell beauty products to uh, grocery stores. Okay. Um, and uh, we have we are expecting our seventh child in June of this <laughs> of this year. Spit take seven children. Yeah. Okay. And uh, our oldest is uh, turning eight in March. Turning eight? You've got one in the oven and your oldest is, is seven right now? That is correct. Okay. So you've been, uh, you've been doing this little kid thing for about eight years and you're in for a few more. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. That's correct. So you, you have a regular guy, full-time job. You have a young family, and in the room right now, you might not hear him because he's so polite and he's a good little dude, is Oswald. It's right here. Say hi. Hi. There he is. He's right over there. 
And uh, he's getting a little Bible time in while we're, uh, what you reading there? Proverbs 31. What a great one. Why, why is he interested in Proverbs 31? Well, he, he was selected on Friday to read it at our family's Friday night uh, Shabbat dinner. And uh, he did an excellent job. Oh. And so he's, I think he wants to taste a little more of that. He, he wants to do it better next time. That's great. God bless him. Yeah. So what we're talking about is um, how you can get your young ones into the rhythm of um, your family values and spiritual um, foundations laid in them. I think that's people who, if you only have two kids, you got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, you've never done this before. Most people have never seen their parents raise a godly family. And so you're kind of twiddling your thumbs thinking, well, when my youngest one is seven, maybe we can get into something that's meaningful. What do you say to that guy? Uh, you should not wait that long. I just read uh, a book by J.C. Ryle called uh, Thoughts for Young Men. Oh, J.C. Ryle. Yeah. Watch out. Yeah. Um, and he, he uses the analogy of uh, a sapling when it's green. You can move it and bend it and and do what you want with it. But when it grows up into a big tree, I mean, the only way to move it is to cut it down. Mm. So the, the young years, um, I already have some kids that are sort of aging out. Um, but the, you know, five and under is really when you're setting the tone with them and setting them on a trajectory. You're building a framework for them to understand life through. So I think it is, there's literally no time to waste when I think you have a, you, you know, you start having kids and you start setting a, a pattern for your family. Okay, let's start, let's start talking about big picture goals. So you, you've got a, a newborn in your arms. You've got a, you've got an infant in arms right now. Yeah. And what are you thinking? What are your, what are your goals for her? What are the big, what's the big framework of what you want to do? What are the, what are the goals? So our youngest uh, right now is 10 months, and this last year, um, w- goal for her would be sleeping through the night. Um, that's, a, that's a key goal. Eating in a high chair, eating the food that we put in front of her, that's an important thing for Interesting. us. Interesting. Um, and uh, we're doing, with Clarity, we're doing come, like when we say come, okay. she crawls to us and... Obeys us. So that's sort of, if she can get those things down, you know, we're pretty happy with her. Okay. So um, just to put a pin in that, I'm playing devil's advocate and we'll say, but Michael, you're just talking about the practicalities of life. That has nothing to do with raising her and to be a woman of God. You're just teaching her to eat what you put in front of her, to sleep when you want her to sleep. And to come when you tell her to come. Those things don't have anything to do with her spiritual formation. Au contraire, mon frère. Oh! Yeah. What? Well, what we're we're doing is we're teaching our children that they they fit into a hierarchy in a family. And that they're actually under submission to myself and my wife. And in some situations, my 
older kids yeah. who, you know, have jobs with them. When uh, one of the great things about our oldest daughter is my wife can say, Tilly, go get Clary from the crib. And she goes up, she gets Clary, she brings her down, and that's one less trip she has to make up the stairs. So uh, by teaching Clarity that, hey, you need to respond when I give you a command, it's no different than when God tells you something in your life right now and you need to do it. Oh, boy. Let's put a pin in that. Uh, we have several pins already. Yes, we do. So let's talk about, we're going to come back to that. Um, tell me, okay, those are your, you told me your immediate goals for her. What are your big picture goals for her? We want to do this by the time she's 18. Well, our family uh, mission statement, if you will, which, I mean, we could plug Outpost Advisors right now. Oh, Outpost Advisors help you with that? Yeah. There are, there are sponsoring. There are sponsors. They're sponsoring this. Yeah. Uh -huh. So you're creating and sponsoring your own episode, which uh -huh. is awesome. Uh -huh. um, so our, our family vision is to model and uh, to model and to produce prudent and daring Christ followers. And so my highest goals for all of my kids is that by the time that they're 18, they are following Christ and in a, in a meaningful way. And so that looks like for her, it's to be, you know, ready to get married and be able to run a household on top of whatever else, you know, she has gotten into her, her you know, from a schooling or a career perspective. Yeah. Able to follow Christ on her own and ready to ready to lead a household so that not that she needs to be married when she's 18, but when she leaves your house, whatever happens, she'll be able to she'll be a Proverbs 31 woman. She'll yeah. be able to lead a household. She knows all the responsibilities. She's taken reps in, in leading those responsibilities. She knows the scriptures. I mean, I, I don't think in this day and age you can follow the Lord without knowing the scripture well. So that's high on our list of things that we do. Okay. So I think that's important to just call out because um, that's going to resonate with guys to hear you say, for my 10-month-old daughter, I have a goal that she's going to walk with God when she leaves my leadership, my my watching over her, which I presume will happen the day that you put her hand into the guy who's holding the ring that he's about to put on her finger. You're telling me that you think the best thing you can do right now to make her a follower of Jesus and a great wife at age 25 right now is to teach her how to come when you say come and to eat the food you put in front of her and to sleep when you tell her to sleep? Yeah. It builds on that, but there there has to be that foundation, I think. You know, I, I think when, when I hand off clarity in marriage, I want her to have all the skills that m my wife Sammy has. Mm -hmm. if, if, she can, if she can know how to, how to run a household like Sammy, how to be a wife like Sammy, how to be a mother like Sammy, then she's going to make somebody extremely, extremely happy. Yes, true. So we'll come back to clarity in one second, but just to ask this question, because I know it's on guys' hearts and minds. I've heard it come out of guys' mouths. 
I have so many young children right now. I feel that God wants me to make disciples and he wants me to do some kind of ministry out there somewhere. But I have so many young kids and the needs of my home are so pressing and perpetual at this stage of my life. I have to choose whether I'm going to make my wife miserable because I'm out there making a difference, quotes, making a difference with ministry, or I just have to... I guess put pause on all that stuff and and help out at home right now. What do you say to that guy? I would say put pause on all that stuff and help out at home. I think there's nothing more important than you can do. Um, then I mean, your children are your disciples. I mean, they literally are an extension of you. So if you want, you know, as the scriptures say, they're arrows in your quiver that you're that you're that you're shooting out into the world. Um, they can't do that unless they've been, you know, built into. You think of Jesus and his disciples. He spent way, way more time with those people, with those men, than he did with the hurting and, yep. you know, the issues of his day. Um, and I think that's a good model for for parenting your children is, look, all the other issues will still be there, but you're the only one who can be their dad, right? Yep. First Timothy 3, 4 and 5 is talking about the qualifications for eldership, which just means an overseer, somebody that's looking over God's family. And the qualifications are that he has to manage his own oikos well. He has to manage his own oikos. I, I don't know if you knew these guys growing up. Um, I knew many guys uh, of this description where their father was a minister, and because he was a minister, he basically punted on raising his own children and left that to the wife so that he could go make a difference in the world. Yeah. And Jesus, as you just said, could have made a pro, much more profound impact. It would, have been, it would have been shallower, but it could have been much broader if he had just sought large audiences. But what he did was... He found these 12 guys and he decided, I'm going to be your parent. And he spent time with these 12 guys. So going back to 1 Timothy 3, it would say that if you don't do, if you don't get an A plus on the way that you lead your home, you are disqualified from having any impact outwardly. And so the idea, my, my, the most craziest example that I can think of, I was a missionary at one time, so I was really interested in missionaries. And William Carey was the first missionary to India. And William Carey, get ready for it, gave his son away and took his wife overseas to India where his wife went crazy and, and eventually died. And William Carey, we, we hail as this righteous man, which l- let's not lose that. I mean, he, he did what he thought was right and sacrificed for what he thought God was calling him to. But what a sad picture of somebody who completely destroyed the legacy of his home because he thought that what he could do outwardly for the gospel was more important. And the scriptures tell us that our first report card comes at home. So I just want to reiterate what you're saying and encourage every guy out there who feels that he feels a little bit like I must be a second class citizen or I must, I wish I could achieve the level of you know, we're all told, maximize your impact. And he's thinking, I wish I could have more impact, but I'm just here raising these kids. When we would say the discipleship of your little Aussies 
in the world, the discipleship of these kids, if that's not in place, you shouldn't be influencing anybody because you don't know what you're doing. And if you if you get an A plus at home, you earn the right. This is why this is why the Bible calls elders. You earn the right because we can point at your family, and go check that out. Now, what does this guy have to say? Because he gets it. Because the ministry yeah. starts at home. So that was a little sermon. Up. No, and I agree. And and to encourage the audience, um, if if you have spent time doing ministry, discipling guys, doing stuff like that before you're married or while you're married with no kids, making that paradigm shift is extremely difficult. Yes, it, it is so hard because you have these relationships with other adults and they're growing and stuff and there's fruit and then going home to changing diapers. It's, it's very, it's very difficult, but at the same time, uh, so for me, it, it was a very hard transition but now I'm in, you know, some of our New Year's goals were like, hey, we got to pull back even more, um, you know, prioritize date night, prioritize. Uh, my, my wife says I need I need to help her with homeschool and cleaning the house on weekends, you know. So those are kind of some of the the ways that we kind of are keeping it going. And if I can speak for you, because I know your life, you, you've resisted that. You have such an evangelist heart. You love people and you've resisted that. But now you're at a place where you, you understand this is priority. So I think I see you, you can react to this, but I see you as far less resistant to pull inward and go, we've got to get our house right or nothing else yeah, matters. Yeah, I, you'd say I'm a full believer in that. Yeah. I, think, I think from a legacy and input, impact standpoint, if, you know, we have so many kids, if, if they if they get it right, they're going to be able to do way more than I would oh, ever be able to of do. Of course, of course. And I'll also say to your point about um, making the transition to be an out there guy to an in-home guy, I, I had a kind of rude awakening. I, I've moved to, to different cities many times in my adult life. And whenever I would move to a new, a new city... I would ask the Lord for, where's my Timothy? Even in my mid-20s, I would ask the Lord, where's my Timothy? I find a young guy, and I'm off and running. This is my first little guy, and then I build from there and find other guys, and that was my move. Well, when I moved to Cincinnati, even though I moved here to pursue the wife that I was, the, the woman that I was then engaged to, I still thought, well, that's just, that's just one of my interests, is this woman I'm engaged to. Now, Lord, where's my Timothy? And it was like crickets for a couple of weeks. I mean, I didn't have any divine meetings where I met a guy and I'm kind of beating the bushes and don't see any guy. And I sat down with the Lord one day. At the, it was actually very, very late at night. And I'm kind of walking the streets, the crappy streets of uh, Kennedy Heights where I lived and asking the Lord, God, where's my Timothy? And I feel the Lord told me um, very clearly, you have one sheep right now and you don't have any idea how to take care of her. So we're, that's what we're doing right now. I just thought, oh snap, <laughs> this is this is this is not going to be fun, is it? I don't know how to do this. And I think he does he does the same thing in even a more dramatic way when you have children, which is, hey, tough guy, you don't know how to do this. So your your heart, we're moving your heart back home. I was talking to Jeff this morning, and he invoked Malachi four six that the Spirit of the Lord will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their sons and the hearts of the sons back to their fathers. And it's like this, this megaphone from heaven which says, I'm going to come into your home. 
That's where we're going to do the work is going to be in your home. Um, any any anecdotes about that? That I did just read where Jesus talks about John the Baptist is turning the hearts of the fathers towards their sons, and 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 there's this. It's almost like this weird thing where Jesus is like so protective of the little ones, and and the kingdom of to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like one of these little ones, and and he puts his hands on them, they come to him, he blesses them, and paideon, as we would say around here, you got to become like a right. paideon, and you just realize the emphasis that he has on children, and I figure if that's his emphasis, that should be my emphasis while I have many in my house. That's right. Okay, so let, now let's go back to clarity. So. Clarity's learning without knowing that she's learning. She's learning right now that she she has to subvert her will to the larger will of the family, that which works best for everyone. She learns that she has to submit to, I'm going to eat what they tell me to eat. I'm going to sleep when they tell me to sleep, but I'm tired right now. I get jiggled. Oh, I'm not allowed to sleep right now. Um Food is in front of me. I didn't think I was hungry yet, but I guess this is the time to eat, etc. And I, I think it's a point worth making that you're 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 laying the groundwork, even with an infant in arms, that they will be obedient children, and they're going to follow the lead of their parents, even before they have any concept of what those words mean. By the way that you are trying to integrate them into your family, they also they also will not feel you're a problem you're not a problem you fit into our the way our family works we've built our family so that these can be helpful rhythms and then uh, uh, the other thing i'll throw in is the way that you treat and speak about your infant in arms your children like ozzy can see the value of having a new baby and what that will mean as opposed to what a drag. This this kid's just holding us back. Yeah. Do you face that ever with your older kids? Um, no, I think they, you know, usually when a baby is changed and well and 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 well rested and well fed, it's got a smile on its on its face. And so clarity is a delight to, uh, to be around most of the time. And so I think for the other kids, they, they, they quite enjoy. It, it's their first opportunity at looking after another human being. Um, they delight in doing that yep. and helping out when they see that they're actually making a real difference in our family by, by pulling some weight. Um, it's really awesome for them. But for, yeah, for, for clarity, I mean, it, it, it's less obvious, but for all, any, any child under one years old, they're going to uh, try to express their will. It'll be they're trying to touch an outlet or touch something they're not supposed to, or they just will one day decide, hey, I'm not going to eat anymore. Uh, I'm the boss. Right. And uh, so it's those sort of situations are your first training sessions where you're saying, no, you do have that thing in you, but you have to learn to master that and you have to learn to submit to what I want. And how old are your kids when you first start training them that you're going to obey? We'll do little training sessions when they start reaching for things. Usually around six months. Yeah. They'll start reaching for stuff and then that's when we step in and go, okay, now that you can reach for stuff, we're going to teach you what is good to reach for and what is bad to reach for. Right. And they're going to learn the d- distinction between those. 
I would make I would I would even say it's simpler than good and bad. They would just know this is approved and this is not approved. Even though they don't I don't think they can conceive of good and bad. Yeah. They just know that's, that's a yes and that's a no. Yeah. And again, that feels like not exciting. But th- at the end of the day, that's what we want with the Lord. I don't need to know what's good and bad. I actually don't. That that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What I need is to know what my father approves of and what he doesn't. Yeah. And if he tells me that you shouldn't eat a animal with a cloven hoof, people spend so much time trying to understand why. Why do we have the dietary laws and all that stuff? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. The exercise is father says this is approved. Father says this is not approved. And so there's the point I want to make to, to the guys listening is that the basic things that you're doing, which actually make your life better, they make you love your child more. Jordan Peterson says, train your child to become the kind of person you would enjoy being around. And that's, that goes for babies, too. The, the kind of baby we would enjoy being around is when it sleeps when it's supposed to sleep, isn't tired in the middle of the day, eats what's put in front of it happily. And I can attest to all the listeners out there, Clarity is the freaking happiest baby in the world. She's perpetually happy. Um, And it's sort of like, what's wrong with this kid? What drugs are you feeding this kid? Um, And I can answer the question. It's because she knows that she does the things that are approved. And she also knows when I do things that are not approved, they get dealt with. I get dealt with. I get run back into the place of approval. And so... They come. They grow up believing I'm a I'm a good girl. She she thinks that she couldn't articulate that right now, but she thinks that right now because she knows that she does the things that are approved. And there's a knock on into all sorts of other training that you're going to do with her as she grows up. So what at what age do you start feeding them spiritual content, and how do you do that? So we do most of our. Um we do Bible reading at breakfast and, and dinner. So Clarity's been getting it her whole life. Okay. I would start early. Yeah, I, w- I would just start getting in the habit of doing it. Um, but it's different for each of the ages on, on how they engage in it. Uh, for Mickey, who is uh, two years old, he, you know, his job is to sit still and, and, and be quiet. And that's how he makes the Bible reading experience better. He, w- he would say that he knows that's his job? Yes. That's great. Yes. And if he can remember one word, um, you know, that would be good. So for the other kids, um, I mean, I want to get the word of God is like a believer's. I mean, it's their, it's the, it's, it's their lightsaber, you know, yeah. if you have a Star Wars analogy. I mean, it, it, is, it is truth in a world of so much confusion about what's true. Um, so we really, I mean, are geared or our rhythm around around the book, the Bible, and, and reading it. And so we will read stories. For our older kids, we'll ask, we'll ask them to repeat back to us what they remember. And so the expectation is, hey, I'm going to read a chapter, and I want you to tell me what you remembered or what you thought was cool or something about it. So they're learning to latch onto a phrase or an idea as you're reading. Yes. And they're learning to become biblically literate. Even if even if they can't remember so I'll say, okay, what was the main main character in the story's name? What was his name? Right? Ozzy, what was the main character in the story that we read this morning? 
Do you remember the story? There's, yeah, there's two. Okay, who? Isaac yeah. and uh, Abraham. Isaac and Ooh, Abraham. good one. Yeah. So, well, and then for my older kids, it'll be, hey, where did this take place? It was on Mount Moriah. Do you, do you know other things that happened there? There was some other no, things that happened awesome. there. that's awesome. Um, and so I just want them to, to love the scriptures, to see me reading them. I want them to be interested in them. And I want their worldview to be through that lens. And so my wife does an amazing job of if an ad comes on that's weird on TV, she will, she will say, hold on, kids. Let me tell you, what, let me just ask you, what's not right about this picture? That's great. And, and they'll have a, a biblical worldview kind of discussion about that's that. That's awesome. Yeah. So simple. Ozzy's playing with some marbles. If you hear some clinking and clanking happening here. With, with, with a young family, uh, I'm sure that some eyebrows go up as you're talking about reading the Bible at breakfast and dinner. So tell us a little bo- bit more about that. Um, h- how much of the meal is taken up by that and how much do you read? How much do you read of, uh, at, each, at each meal? Um, we usually read just after the food is done. And um, some days it's a quick thing and, you know, everyone goes around and says their word and we're done. And there's other days that it becomes a, it becomes a discussion and, and it becomes, you know, we're, we're talking about something that's happening, a current event, or, um, you know, there's just, hey, I learned this at school and, and this is just like this and, you know, stuff like that. And so I think um, it really depends. It's just... For us, it's about giving our family space to like have that discussion and, and talk about it. But okay. generally speaking, I'll read one chapter. And uh, last year we went through the Bible and we read all the stories, so we skipped some of the theology and some of the genealogies and that sort of thing. How do you? How do you? Is there a Bible that's just the stories of the Bible? How could a guy? No, find I just that? kind of. You say we're not reading that part. Let's yeah, get to a story. But okay. this year, I think this year we're going to try to just go all the way through. So okay. we're in Genesis now. And, oh boy. Yeah. With all the boring stuff too. Yeah. Ozzy wants everybody to know it's also a timer for food. So by the time I'm done reading the Bible, everyone better be done their food. Because they're not getting any more. Because I want, I say, if I put food in front of you, you eat it all. So that's the, that's the cutoff. I love it. So, so we can also have kind of meals in a time span. That's, yeah. that's a good point. Actually. Okay. <laughs> Um, so we're going to talk, I want you to talk us through your week. Um, and I want you to talk about, here's where, um, Sammy and I have time. This is where I do spiritual formation. This is how I, this is how we spend time with the kids. If there's anything more than that stuff. And we'll start by Ozzy telling us, just come stand right here, Ozzy. Tell us what, what are some of your chores that you have to do every week? Taken out and in the garbage. Okay. Um, and you're how old? Six. Okay. I also scrub the toilets. All right. And every morning I like do the dishwasher and stuff. Every morning you, you empty out the dishwasher or you load the dishwasher? If empty it's... out and load after and before. Yes. Okay. And what do you do on Sundays that you really don't like doing? Laundry. <laughs> Good job. Buddy. Hey, I'm working. I'm trying to get you off that job. Okay, just so you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Big smile on that, at that news. Okay, so so tell us about your tell us about your week. 
So I, I usually get up early before the kids, um, go downstairs, and that's when I pray and read the Bible. Okay. Um, Sammy joins what me. What time? Uh, six. Okay. Sammy joins me sometimes, maybe 5.36. Sammy joins me some days. Um, and no, pr- no pressure, whatever no, she wants. No, Yeah. I think it's more, I, I put a bigger, more pressure on myself than for her. Good. Um, so that is like, I have to have that. Um, and then um, lately, the older two have been getting up and kind of starting her, uh, helping her. Like, I think Tilly made eggs this morning and Ozzy made the coffee and she kind of... Doesn't Ozzy always make the coffee? Uh, he used to. Sometimes I'm really hankering for it, so okay. I'll make it at six. Okay. But yeah, three of our kids can do that. Okay. So it's... Um, and then, and then when we have uh, when we have breakfast is usually around seven thirty, and then we'll read more more then. Okay. Um, and then um, that's that's and then at dinner we'll also have another chapter, another discussion. Okay. So, um, so that's a nor- that's a normal weekday. That's a normal weekday. That's Monday to Friday. Yep. And then on Friday night we always read Proverbs thirty one, starting in verse ten. Um, because we really want to honor and celebrate, um, Sammy. Yeah. Um, for, for all the stuff that she does. Um, and then, um, Saturday we don't really do anything. And then, uh, Sunday we have a rhythm of going to a church here in town that my dad is the pastor at. Okay. And do you do you ever debrief the church? Or is there a discussion after it? What if you hear something that you don't like that came out of the church? Um, we do. We do. Uh, like, for example, this Sunday, um, when we were eating breakfast before going to church, I just wanted my kids to, and this is something that came out of my time with the Lord that morning, is I'm really grateful that we can actually go to a public you know, worship service, praise God. We yeah. can we can be taught the Bible because there's many countries uh, that you can't do that, and yep. there's a lot of people in our country who don't want you to be able to do that. That's and right. So um, I pass that along to the kids. I'm just going like, hey, you, I just want you to know that this is a special thing that we're doing. We're able to go to a house of worship and worship Jesus, and it's it's really, I mean, we shouldn't take that for granted. Um, so we kind of talk through that a little bit, um, but yeah, something. A lot of times the kids will hear a Bible verse that they know and be excited about that. There's other weeks where it's just about, hey, I just want you to sit still during the service. And it's more training on that side. Yeah. Yeah. And is there any special time in the week that's, that doesn't have to be that's given over to this this time I will um, be sharing heart stuff with Sammy and we will be praying together just the two of us? Um, between me and Sammy? Yeah. Um, we don't really have, honestly, a time where we're okay. dedicating prayer time together. Well, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to stack up the bricks of impressive stuff that you do in your home, but I know that, you know, not do the fact that you don't do everything that you could possibly do with your family. I mean... When people hear things like this, there's kind of there there there's one kind of raising the bar of hey I could read the Bible to my kids at breakfast yeah I could get up I could do that, and there's and then there's also this sort of like oh my gosh they do that every single day he gets up at six o'clock, 
And yeah. so it helps to hear it helps to hear you say, "I wish I had a regular prayer time with my wife, but we just can't make that work." Yeah. Um, and that's that's good to know. I mean, people need to people need to hear the permission. When my friend Bill Patterson, um, when when he when his fourth came along, and they were all young. And I was spending time with him in a, like a discipleship group. Were you in that group? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> then he came to me and said, "Like I want to make disciples, but I, man, I I don't I don't know where the time is. I got this small business that I'm trying to develop, and I, my wife needs me at home, and she's still working a little bit. And man, what am I supposed to do? So it helps guys to feel the the, the license to go like, hey, look, there's normal limits to what you can pull off. Yeah. What do you think would be, say a guy's got a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old, and he's been waiting for the magic moment when he'll start doing something with his family. Where where, where should he start? What's step one? Yeah, I think the point you're bringing up is super important because um, the reason that we do uh, Bible at meals is because that was the easiest place to insert it without disrupting our family. Right. And so... When we started gotten going on that and realized, hey, this is actually working, like that's where it just we're just pouring all our chips into that, you know. Yeah. So we're we're finding a strength and we're just going for it. Um, yeah, I think for the person with the three, five, and seven year old, think of think of a think of how you're gifted. Like I I've just always had a love for scripture um, more than being able to pray for an hour. Um, so that's just what I'm I'm giving my kids. Yeah. Um, for the for that person, I would say look at your gifts. Where, where where do you really connect with the Lord and invite your family into that? That's great. And do it in a way where it's already a natural part of your rhythm. If you guys go get donuts every Saturday morning, hey, do something that you know, just plug it in there. Or yes. Figure out something that already works. Yes. Don't just take a swing at something one time and go. Well, we tried that, but make it a regular part of your rhythm that you're going to hit this nail every week. You can adjust it. You can make it longer or shorter as it fits what you need to do. But your children need consistent input uh, from you if you're going to create a worldview that's stronger than the worldview they're getting out on TV and with their peers and at school. Yeah. And maybe maybe that looks like create redoing your rhythm so that you're actually in front of each other the same time every week. Yeah. Maybe it's not even overtly spiritual at this point, but it, it, it works in building blocks. I mean, you have to like have some kind of structure yeah. down first where you can start adding to. I think Mark talked, you guys talk about that a lot with, yeah. with some of your holidays and stuff. Yeah. So Ozzy, let me, let me ask you a question. Stand up here one more time. If, if, if some dad came to you and said, I want to be more like your dad, I want to raise my kids so they can be like they can love Jesus the way that you do, and and I. What do you think that your dad does a great job of that helps you love Jesus and uh, and obey your parents? Can you think of anything that he does really good? He obeys the Lord. Your dad obeys the Lord, and you know that. How do you know that your dad obeys the Lord? He reads the Bible every meal and does quiet time. Your dad does quiet times with God every morning. He does every morning? Yeah. So you know that your dad really loves God? Yeah. Wow, that's great. Okay, thank you for answering my question. 
That, that's actually an interesting thing. I was at lunch with, with um, our friend Tim Seneff today, and he said, um, he, he asked what my parents did that made me, uh, people say that I'm confident, he, that what I project from people is so, some, some internal compass that makes me go like, you don't have to approve of me. I'm, they made you six foot six, so your parents did. <laughs> And he and so he asked, what, what, "Where did that come from?" And I don't, I don't, I don't have a good answer for that because they didn't really talk about that, or they didn't ever say you're going to be a leader, or they didn't talk to me about confidence or anything like that. But but my answer would be like Ozzy's is that what I saw in them, and I'm talking about the subject of being confident and self self composed, is that I saw them being oppositional. Not in a dirty way, but I would see my dad telling like the drinking culture, I'm not doing that. I don't really care who does it. I'm not doing that because his father was an alcoholic and I'm never doing that. I'm never touching alcohol. I saw my mom, whenever she thought injustice was happening for her children or for her home, I'd hear her on the phone with the gas meter going like, these numbers are wrong and I'm not paying for it. So you can send someone out here to correct this. I just saw them being willing to be oppositional. It was the only thing I could think of. And that impacts you the way that you see your parents acting. So I just asked Ozzy, what would you, what, what do you see your, your father doing that other fathers, he said he loves God. And so he sees in you that you love God's word, you're spending time with God. And that's the most impactful thing that could ever happen for him, is that he sees my hero, my number one hero on earth, is, is after God's heart, and it makes an impact. That's pretty. That's pretty encouraging, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is encouraging. Yeah, it makes you want, I wasn't expecting that. It makes you want to uh, make your quiet times job one, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it certainly does. And I think uh, you know, we talk through hard decisions. I mean, that need to be made, whether it's concerning work or um, other other people. We just had a death in the family, so we had to talk through the afterlife and, and that kind of thing. And uh, you know, it, 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 it does kind of make it easy when you, when you just say, hey, we can go back to the Bible and we can get the truth right, right. there. And then whatever it says, we're going to have to deal with the consequences of that. Because that's, that's what we do. That's great. Yeah. And, they see you, and they see you doing that real time. Yeah. They see you pursuing the answers in the scripture. And I'll also throw in, they, they see you consulting with your body. So they see you consulting with us. They see you consulting with the Dykstras and your community of faith. They see that even if, if we go to the Bible and we don't understand what it means, I don't know what the implications of this are to my life. The kids are watching you go, let's go to our, our closest, let's go to your parents, let's go to our community of faith yeah. and say, what, what does this mean to our lives? And we're going to obey it no matter what it says. Yeah, and, and it's so impactful for them to see your family, the Dykstras, my parents, her parents, where they're living out their life in a consistent way, you know, surrendered to God's word and what they're doing, you know. And so they can see like they're being they're being taught to be a part of something bigger than themselves. That's right. And even if it is countercultural, there's a lot of people that are doing this. Yes. And there's people that we trust and love. Yes. And they're great people. Yep. I was just with my um, sister and brother-in-law and their gaggle of children um, last week, and 
when I was with them, there was some some subject came up, and my um, brother-in-law put put the Bible on a tee, and he basically set me up in front of all the kids. It was it was actually a couple of families, and he said, "Let's all ask Uncle Stephen. Stand up, Uncle Stephen." I'm like, "Okay." And he says, now let's all ask Uncle Stephen, why do you believe that the Bible's true? Go ahead. And we talked afterward. You know, I was ready with a little sermonette. I gave as good an answer as I could on the spot. And he said, you know, there's a real value in someone besides me and mom telling the kids that this is God's word and we follow it. And I said, it's cross-pollination. Of course, we... we, we there's so much richness in exposing your kids to other people who follow God. So my oldest daughter thinks of your wife. She, she, I mean, she loves her mom, but there's something about Sammy that my oldest daughter wants to be Sammy. It's probably because she has so many kids and my daughter just like, I, that's what I want for my life. Well, my, my wife could pout about the fact that I don't seem to be her superhero right now, or she could praise God that there's a cross-pollinations happening and the goals that are in my girl's heart, whether my wife's name is attached to it or Sammy's name is attached to it, these are the goals that I want for my child. So there's a richness there about exposing your children to your broader community, which I have to say doesn't come to your mind as one of your rhythms, but it is one of the rhythms of your life is exposing your children to other people that love God. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean... We live right next door to another family that has a bunch of kids and who are believers. And, I mean, that's the reason Ozzy's got that big gold chain on. It's because <laughs> Mr. Ross, Uncle Ross next door. He likes, likes to wear a gold chain. He likes the gold chains, yeah. So, yeah, and you're right. I mean, it's like I, I, I feel the same way. It's like, I mean, you know, they looked up to him in, in some ways. And, and I thank God that, yeah. you know, I know. It, it's like we have strength in numbers now. It's like yeah. basically doubling yeah. The father power on the kids. Yeah, we, had, we create a critical mass of culture. And this is why thick community is so important. Because it's an incubator for the children, the disciples that you're, you're making. All right, I'm out of questions. So is there any other closing, closing thoughts that you have for dads of young families? Any other advice? Um, you know, I, I will say one of the things, not to, not to toot your horn too hard, but I mean, I think the fact that we, your, your oldest is five or six years older than my oldest. And it's really helpful. Um, you know, every day you're in new territory, right? It's really yeah. helpful to have a mentor or somebody, another family you look up to whose kids are, 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 are good kids and, and, and just bouncing ideas. And yep. So before we had kids, obviously Sammy nannied for you guys. I mean, that was so huge. Just spending around, spending time around families that are further along is, is yeah. so huge. Um, just to help, just to help kind of get your footing. Yeah. So. Same. I mentioned having lunch with Tim today and he was talking about his uh, 17 and 20 year old daughters and they're doing so great with those girls. And I'm the same, I think we're the same age, but I'm just sort of. You know, sitting at his feet, tell me, oh, wise Tim, how do you make how do you make godly teenagers? Because the one's a junior in high school and one is, I think, a sophomore in college. And they're just awesome. They're awesome girls. And I 
we've spent a little time around them as a family because we're like little kids, like kind of boring for them as an older family. But man, if I can if I can make my daughters look up to his daughters, that's a huge win. Yeah. So and I know you feel the same way that you feel like if Tilly and Roxy can look up to Ada and Joy, that's a win if they think that those are their heroes. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Michael, for your time. Um, Fathers, young fathers who feel overwhelmed or feel uh, all thumbs with raising your tiny families. We bless you, and um, we we would, I'd love any questions. You can write to Mark at Abraham'sWallet.com, just because Mark fields all of our uh, email, not because I'm not interested. And you know, we'd love to we'd love to revisit this with uh, to get more granular if you have questions. Uh, we don't always do this, but would you be willing to pray for young dads who feel like I, I just I'm not sure how to do this? Sure. Okay. As long as I can say the tagline after the prayer. <laughs> Lord, uh, we, uh, we thank you f- that you discipline fathers through the work of being a father. And, uh, you know, we, we thank you that uh, your river rushes through the lowest place. And sometimes that place has a lot of poop in- involved in it. And uh, I just ask for a strengthening for all the fathers of young kids out there and families who, who are needing uh, a fresh... Uh, you know, reinvigorating dose of um, just meaning and purpose and excitement around their family. I ask that you would give it to them. I ask that you would reveal to them how much you love them and how much uh, being there for the little kids is is important and and needed. And uh, I just pray that they would get all of their um, accolades from you and that they would feel it in doing the small and, and, and menial tasks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, run your dough and your home like a biblical boss. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>